This is episode 21 on the Millennial Life School podcast on not limiting your dreams to Asian stereotypes with the Korean-American R&B and pop singer Alice. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Millennial Life School podcast, where it's all about inspiring and encouraging 20 to 30-something-year-olds as we figure life out together. What's up, fam? Welcome back to another episode on the Millennial Life School podcast. The month of May is AAPI, Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. We started the month off with a special podcast episode in Korean. And in celebration of AAPI Heritage Month, I will be featuring powerful voices in our community talking about the Asian American experience. First up this month is my good friend Alice. Alice is a Korean-American R&B and pop singer breaking stereotypes in the American music industry. Her goal is to help elevate the portrayal and views of Asians in America by being a powerful and vocal influence in the media. She's been interviewed with Teen Vogue, sang guide vocals for a YG Entertainment Artist, and won the CCM Songwriting Competition in South Korea. I first met Alice in Boston when she was attending Berklee College of Music, and she's one of the most confident people I know. But in this episode, she opens up about feeling limited and unwanted in the American music industry because she's Asian. Uh, She shares about her experience of being bullied growing up and dealing with racism. And through it all, learning to find confidence and self-worth in who she is apart from what other people say or think about her. We touch on a lot about how our Korean culture has impacted our views of the world, from beauty standards to cultural conflicts with our Korean immigrant parents. I'm so excited about this one. We personally had so much fun recording this one. We laugh a lot and also um, it's pretty raw. I think Alice cries about like five different times throughout this episode. (laughs) Um, But yeah, this is such a powerful one. So let's get right into it. Mom, Mom, this This is is Millennial uh, Life School Podcast with... Hello, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh my god, dude, I was so. Oh, oh my god, my goodness, dude, it's Alice, cool. freaking Alice, I I haven't seen you in like a year. Has it really been that long? Yeah, because I came back from Bali end of May. So almost a year. Oh my god. Bro, it seems <laughs> like it seems like just yesterday we threw you a party with balloons that had nothing to do with a goodbye party. It's <laughs> yeah. Good time. Good time. Y'all dude, for those who are listening, to Alice threw me the greatest goodbye party when I was leaving to Bali. I was so touched. Oh my god. You guys all wrote me letters. Oh my gosh, I remember that. Yeah, um, I miss you. Please come back. I know. I I realized 
I realized how much I need you in this city. <laughs> no, seriously, I miss LA so much. I was supposed to be back, but then this COVID-19 thing happened. Like, what the heck? <sighs> One thing I know is that after this is all over, first off, mm. like, I, I see, um, I understand, you know, the darkness mm. behind the whole pandemic, and I acknowledge that, right? Yeah, like, yeah. lives lost, people sick, people in fear. But I also think that this is just a time meant for us to all pause. Yeah, yeah. I th- yeah, because I think a lot of people, definitely myself included, we we don't give ourselves a break. Mm-hmm. And if there's another opportunity, we're going to take it. We don't care how tired we are or how exhausted we are, you know, and we become, we, um, become so consumed by doing things. And so I think right now when we have literally no choice, it's like the most refreshing um thing for my soul yeah 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 soul refreshing I was gonna say because you like you are out of all the people I know you're just always like on the go (laughs) like especially (gasps) since you moved to LA I feel like you've been so busy and you've been doing so many different things yeah you release so many new music girl like I'm so freaking proud of you it's so crazy because because for those who are listening so me and Alice we met in Boston Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't go to the same college. Uh, Alice went to Berkeley School of Music. I went to Boston University. But we yeah. met our freshman year, I think, right? <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Wow. Oh, yeah, we met we freshman year. so different then. <laughs> we have photos from um, KCCC. What is that? That retreat? Do you remember that? Do you remember? Yeah, I, I do. I really do. I remember Dude, I was... Amy was um, there too. <laughs> <laughs> um amy is i'm actually interviewing amy next so she's also gonna be of course of course right but dude freshman year me amy you we didn't really know each other but we're all there and then but we after we met freshman year because we didn't go to the same school uh we didn't really get to know each other until you moved to Mm. 2017 18 yeah it's only been two years Dang. And then after you moved to LA, that's when we got close. And like, since then, I think it's been like, it's so, it's been so amazing. And I'm so freaking proud of you. I can't say this enough, but like, thank you. Yeah. Cause you moved to LA with such a big dream. Um, and like, you've done so much and I've personally seen your journey, but for those who are listening, can you kind of explain the whole journey, the whole transition from Boston to LA, why you came to LA and all that good stuff. Of course, yeah. So the the journey actually starts from like when I was a kid. Mm, okay, I love I, that. Let's do it. I feel I uh-huh. feel the emotions might come. Okay. So I just you know just just let them happen. The dreams are big. They're yeah, no no let it be. This is our tantra <laughs> moment. <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, when I was a kid, my dream was always to be that big performer, the singer, the, the girl on stage who struts her stuff because she can, and she's not afraid of people's opinions. Like, she's so free on stage. And I think um, that's something I love about performing. It's just, it's just free. People are watching you do literally whatever you feel like, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, when I was younger, I always kind of had a knack for it. It came to me naturally, and I just, I liked doing it for my parents. 
like I would dress up and you know um uh I would dress up and like put on little performances for them like for for literally because it made them happy and I I think at a young age I realized the effect that you know a performance a show can have on people Mm. so um Fast forward, you know, in school, I did the choruses, I did the musicals, um, I got like solos in the choir and leads in the musicals and stuff like that. This is in high school? Uh, Middle school and then, you know, moving into high school. But I remember, you know, people would ask me, oh, like, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to sing for the rest of your life? And I'd be like, yeah, like, my original dream was um, Broadway in theater. Wow. But my, the big thing about that is that you have to have a look for it. Um, and you so, have to have a look for it? So a lot of the characters that I would naturally play um, are blonde and white. Mm. <laughs> just given their persona for some reason, just like the type of character, they're either like funny or mm. like the brat or something yeah, that yeah. I play well. Um, they were always a white girl. Uh-huh, okay. And um, I remember someone asked me, who can you play? Mulan? And then I was like, Dang. yeah. Dang. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. I can, I can only play Mulan. And Mulan, I don't even believe that was in production back then. And so I was like, at a young age, I realized like, oh, it's not possible. Mm. There's, it's just not possible. Um, so I, I went through high school, loving it, but not being quite sure what I wanted to do. Because mm. in reality, I was like, there's no way I'm going to get there mm. because I can't play that role. Or there's no Asian performer topping the charts, um, winning a Grammy, mm. um, sitting at the Ellen DeGeneres show, getting interviewed. Like there's no... Asian American, mm-hmm. yeah. not K-pop, Asian mm-hmm. American, mm-hmm. Um, who was achieving those things. So throughout high school, I was like, all right, like, there's no way. It, it's not possible. Mm-hmm. And so my dreams were crushed. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I went to college for music. So yeah, I got in on my vocals because you have to get in on a uh, an instrument and vocals were my mm-hmm. instrument. But you um, also have to major in something. So for me, like my entire heart and soul was like, I want to perform. I want to do performance. But then I was like, but there's no point. Mm. I'm not going to get anywhere with it. So I'm going to study music business. And in the end, that did a lot for me (laughs) instead. So thank God. But at Uh the time, I just think the reality of me having to limit limit myself in career choice and even in what I major in is really heartbreaking because yeah. it, the, the whole premise behind it was I'm Asian, that's limiting, so I can't. And um, so fast did all, forward. Did, did all vocal majors have to major in something else as well? Yeah, so, so th- we all have a principal, which mm-hmm. is considered our instrument, and then we have a major. Mm-hmm. So... I could get my principal could be vocals and then my major would be vocal performance if I uh, majored in performance, but I chose a business route. And in the end that proved to be like way more effective because performance, like you can Uh teach someone, I guess, but that's all practice. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm glad I didn't spend money. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the practical, practical, like (laughs) what job am I going to get? Uh huh. Yeah, for sure. And so, um, 
anyways, after that, after college, I just remember like feeling this ache in my heart. Um, seeing people who were more confident about performing because they had a dream because they knew they could get there, um, Mm -hmm. do well and flourish. And then I was always like, I can do that too. I I know I can do it, but I always felt like, um, I think one thing I've always felt in the music industry is just unwanted. And Mm -hmm. I think, um, being Asian has, a lot to do with it just because for some reason that like views people gives you this gives people a very narrow-minded view of you and so uh Wait, what do you mean narrow-minded view as in like stereotyping or like they're not gonna think oh the asian girl can sing backgrounds soulfully on this song oh, like okay. naturally naturally mm-hmm. they're gonna look towards probably like a black r&b singer or something mm-hmm. just because naturally yeah yeah it is within them culturally yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. but then they're not gonna be like oh the white the asian girl mm-hmm. and then if it's like a pop song they're gonna think oh probably like a white girl but in reality it's like all I was ever attributed to is K-pop. Mm. <laughs> and so it's like when it came to Berkeley, K-pop wasn't much of a thing there. Jazz, R&B, rock, funk, pop, mm. like maybe everything. But <laughs> And so um, I didn't feel like there was much of a place for me there. Mm. And uh, so my confidence decreased uh, while I was at Berkeley. And I just remember um, after graduating – after graduating, um, I, I distinctly remember this. It was winter break 2017, that December. And I was just sitting at home over the holidays. And I was like watching all these videos of BTS. BTS. <laughs> oh I know you're the biggest fan. <laughs> I could turn this camera around. I don't want to ruin my orientation right now, but uh-huh. there's, there are BTS posters facing me right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like, I was watching them, like, religiously over that break. Mm. But it, 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 and honestly, it was, like, kind of an addiction. Like, I watched them all day until, like, 5 a.m. the next morning. Is that, is that when you first got into them? 2017? Yeah. I always knew they existed, but I, I think it was because like, um, I had seen them on the Ellen DeGeneres show and stuff yeah, like that previously yeah, yeah. that I was like, something's different about these guys. Mm. And so, um, I watched them perform and I just remember crying to myself. Wow. Um, aside from being inspired, I felt heartbroken mm. because I was like, oh my God, like, they look just like me. They're around my age and they're living out their dream and they look so happy. Mm-hmm. And then I just, I just remember like, I wish I had done that. I wish I, I wish I had the balls and, and the courage when I was younger to not listen to what other people said and just mm-hmm. have gone for it. Um, because Asian doesn't have to be limiting. I could create the standard oh my myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could create. You're, you're gonna make me cry. I'm sorry. I have the same. When if I if I see someone cry, I I start crying. So um. of course I know this. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, but I was like, I I realized you know maybe I should create the standard instead of feeling um so heartbroken about my dreams that I felt like at that point I was never going to achieve. 
Um, and aside from that, I was just inspired by them. I saw like they have a song called blood sweat and tears and it seems Mm. like that's literally what they put into their craft Mm. um just they love it and I know that I would do pursue my career and my passion in the same way with that same fervor and fire um and so after watching that I actually became like a little depressed at Mm. first because I was like at that point I had just graduated and I was working this desk job that I care zero percent about zero and um I was just like I just remember like my boss would tell me to do things and I was like I mean like you could tell me to do better but I'm not going to I don't care like like it was that it was that bad how much I didn't care about that job I I I was not yeah yeah, like like people like us creatives free souls we were not meant to sit at a desk and that's not to discredit anyone who works a desk job, some people are more cut out for it, yeah, than yeah. Others, you know, and for me personally, I just knew uh, that wasn't my thing. But then, um, yeah, so I was just like, what am I doing? My life is pointless. I work, and then I go home, and I'm so tired, like, I'll either eat, or I'll just go sleep, mm-hmm. repeat. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, what's it called? So I was like, I can't live like this anymore after seeing BTS in their with their free souls, like their free yeah. spirits, you know what I mean? And so, um, I know. So I remember on December 31st of mm-hmm. that year, I was sitting in this cafe with somebody and I just started bawling. And I was like, and I never do that. Like I ain't, I ain't, I ain't that kind of person, but when it Mm -hmm. came to this, it was, like, really gut-wrenching, because, like, this is my life, my life Mm -hmm. and my dreams, and they're huge, Mm -hmm. and I remember sobbing to him, being like, I never pursued my dreams, I never went for it, I allowed people's opinions and words and snarky comments, people's racism Mm -hmm. to affect me pursuing the one thing God put me on this earth for. And um, I remember after that thinking like, oh my gosh, like, cause I love Boston with all my heart. It is my favorite city in America, but the music industry is not there. Mm-hmm. I had to go to LA. Um, and I realized I was like, I need to move to LA. I need, I need to, I need to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the, the thought started, um, mm-hmm percolating around in my head and I was just like oh my god I need to move to LA I went back to Boston and I told people I was like I think I'm gonna move to LA and people were like yeah okay and then, <laughs> and then um I visited that year in March and then before I went I said to God I was like listen if you want me to go if this is not just me being like some uh crisis young person Uh (laughs) uh, then please give me a sign please tell Mm me um when I go to LA please just be clear with me I will follow what you tell me to Mm -hmm. if you tell me no I'm not gonna move because my life in Boston is wonderful Mm -hmm. and if you tell me to move then I'm gonna go um and so that week in March was incredible every single conversation I had with people 
Some were uh, believers uh, of Christ and some were not. But regardless, the consensus was, Alice, you have so much in you. You have so much going for you. What are you doing at a desk? Mm. What? Like, 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 congratulations, you just wasted yourself. I'm like, ah, oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I remember my friend who, who is now in the pentatonics. Congratulations, wow. Matt. Yeah, he, I sat across from him at Klat, K-L-A-T, cafe in K-Town. Uh-huh. I remember this distinctly. He looked me in the face. He was like, God wants you to move to L.A. <laughs> and I was like, I feel it. Felt it in my entire soul, um, and I knew, like, like God, this is my journey, and mm-hmm. I honor it, and I honor that it took this long to get here. But now it's time to be faithful and move forward. Um, and so after that, I, within two months, I was out of Boston. <laughs> wow! I said, "See ya." I mean, I it it was hard though, like leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leaving Boston was really hard because I had a great life. I didn't leave because I didn't have friends and I was lonely and stuff. I had a lot of friends, probably mm-hmm. the best friends I've ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, incredible community. I love Boston, but yeah, yeah. I I felt like I was not being fulfilled. I needed I needed to do what God placed me on this earth for, and that was to um, be a beacon of light, a representative a voice for the Asian community, uh, specifically in American entertainment, because I know that I was born with a loud voice. I've been bullied. I've been called a bunch of things and I know I can take it. And you need someone that strong to be on the front lines of this battle. And I know that that person is me. I'm confident. Um, I'm so confident about that. Yeah. Like the fire we're going to receive as our community continues to evolve we're, we're going to feel the heat and I'm, I'm well ready to take it. I want to take it on behalf of our community. And, um, yeah, so basically I was out to LA within two months. I'd say a lot of goodbyes. Um, one thing Mm -hmm. that did help hold me back was my family situation. That might've been one of the biggest things that was, uh, kind of getting at me. Um, they're not exactly together, as you know, and, uh, I'm the only like neutral party in my family. And I feared, and I hope somebody listening to this can, can feel encouraged by this. Okay. I feared that, um, if I left and moved across the country that, um, my family would never come back together again. And that it was my duty and my responsibility because I love these people so much to stay on the East Coast and try to be the one to keep my family together. But in reality, I was living for them. I was living for their sake. When in reality, God created me as my whole entire own human being with my own dreams and my own life path, my own purpose that of course includes my family and the people I love, but it is not to hold them in my arms and live life, you know, just on their behalf. Mm. So after um, that was spoken to me by my friend Eugenia, (laughs) um, I realized, yeah, like I'm literally living for these people 
when in reality, like, I know what I'm meant to do. Um, and I, I say that I hope that can encourage somebody because I think, especially for Asian people, a lot of us um, are like, but my, my mom is alone and, you know, I don't want to leave her and stuff like that. But um, there are ways to work around it. You know, I talk to my family a lot. <laughs> like, I'm the annoying one. Usually the parents bother the kid, but I'm like, hey, dad. <laughs> He's like, yes. Um, yeah, so I just want to encourage people, you know, I understand that family issues and heartbreak, they exist. I have that in my, my own family too, but um, let's not let that hold us back from our dreams because, like, we only have one life and not that much time to do it so we gotta press onward you know um yeah so So i moved to la yeah yeah to la oh man so true and i'm so grateful because you know like even in my own journey when i started this whole thing of like oh gosh alice like i'm in this job i freaking hate it like i just know (laughs) do you remember that (laughs) yeah what i remember from you is Literally, we would sit at Tancha. That's like our place, people. Our That's little our boba, boba place. That is our spot. Mm-hmm. Does it still exist? Mm-hmm. Okay, thank right God. Thank God. Okay. No, because like in K-Town, LA, like the restaurants come in and out within a year, like 10 uh, different times. So I'm like, no, nah, they're popular. They'll stay. Okay, good, good. <laughs> but she, uh, she, this girl, Sharon, <laughs> sit there, take a big swig of her boba. <laughs> Drop it down real hard on that wooden table and tell me, Alice, I hate my job. <laughs> I need to leave. I think I want to go to Bali. And that was like when I told people, I think I'm going to move to LA. People are like, oh, okay. I was like, yeah. And I don't know. <laughs> and it's so funny because remember, because right now you just talked about a moment when you're in Boston and you're at a cafe and you just started crying in front of that friend. And I did that to you. <laughs> Do you remember yes. Like around January when this, like, you know, I was going through a breakup and like all these different things and, oh yeah. Yeah. Do you remember- <laughs> <laughs> and with that too, like there was so much things in terms of like, I was so concerned about my parents because mm. actually like hundred percent of that breakup was because my parents didn't agree with who I was dating. And I think that was, I had the biggest fight with my parents that Christmas. Yeah, I remember. I remember telling you, I like never fought with my parents. There was all mm. that, like, I just, I don't know. I just wasn't much of a problem child. And I think I was just very <laughs> obedient and, you know, mm. like, very goody, goody, um, got good grades, did everything that my parents told me to do. And then for the first time I had this major conflict and a huge reason was because of the cultural crash because yeah. i was dating someone who is not korean my parents did not agree with that because uh, you know and i think for us like growing up here in america it's like what's such a big deal like mm-hmm. he's a great guy he's christian he's you know like he's got his life together mm. and i just did not understand but for my parents like it mattered that like mm. oh my gosh he's not korean like sharon what are you doing with your life and things like that so i was going through all that where 
I was, you know, for the first time in my life, I had the biggest fight and I wasn't really talking with my parents at the time because I was just so upset. And then that's when I had the realization of like, oh my gosh, I just realized up until now, I lived my life only to like, I lived my life to please my parents. That part. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and I didn't know at that time, like, I was miserable, but I didn't even know what exactly I wanted to do because I never explored that. I was just living life, just, you know, living what I thought my parents expected out of me. And Mm. like you said, you know, it's because we love our parents, so we want to make them happy. But at the same time, there's a difference between loving our parents and also realizing at a certain point that we are not our parents. Yeah. And then, From 100%. Yeah. So I was going with that, dealing with that breakup that January. I was miserable and sad. And I was at a miserable job where I was just so unhappy because I'm like, this is, I mean, it, it might be great for some people, but like, this is not who I was created to be. Like, oh, yeah. There's at so all, much at all. in me, you know? Yeah. yeah. But like, that wasn't it. Like, I was falling asleep at work. And like, I can't, you know, I, I can understand what you what you meant in terms of like, well, I can do that. I can do a good job, but I don't really feel like doing it, you know? Mm. So like for me, I just like, I was a, I feel like I was a terrible employee. Um, because <gasps> I just like, I just don't care, you know? <laughs> we got that check and we left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I have 10 unread emails. I don't care. And it was just such a chore you know oh my god obviously you know the responsible side would come in so like I would just you know I would do it but at the same time it was just like I wasn't really giving it my all you know Mm. because I'm just like okay Mm. uh, okay oh this is good enough all right Mm. well check 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 you know but then at that time I remember in January we were at (laughs) Tancham and I remember telling you they got a spot for us Where's and I, remember, I know I know I know <laughs> and I remember <laughs> telling you and I started to break down because I'm like Alice I'm so fed up with trying to live my life to meet other people's expectation of who I should be yeah 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 and I feel like especially you know um being Asian with you know Asian parents and just, I think the cult, like culturally, there's so much pressure in that way. And even like when mm-hmm. I go to Korea, like I spent two months in Korea last year and I see that like, you know, people, people are just living for the most part to please the parent, please their parents or please the society of who they should be and what they should be. You know, like the whole beauty standard too. It's like meeting the of society, you know, of like, and you know what was so heartbreaking? I was walking in Korea, and I don't know where I was, but I was walking, and I kept seeing ads, and it was like 10 of them in a row of like the same ad, like huge poster, and it had this really beautiful girl, you know, the typically beautiful, like pale skin, big eyes, like pretty face, like really beautiful, just smiling, and you know what it said? It said oh, God. It said, being pretty is everything. Well, there goes all hope for society. Um, this is the end of the podcast. Uh- <laughs> it was so sad. And I'm oh. like, oh my God, these, these people, like if I grew up in Korea, 
and seeing that and seeing a beautiful girl and it says um 예쁘면 다다 it was yeah. like being pretty is everything if i yeah. saw that then like i would feel like oh i don't i don't look like her oh i guess if being pretty is everything i'm nothing yeah like <laughs> society really does affect people's confidence level and i think i feel for those girls in korea even the guys too just yeah. everybody yeah, yeah. um they're held to this like impossible standard mm. and like i'll tell you something that's kind of effed up about me that korean culture has influenced on me mm. like i <laughs> this is so nuts but after i watched bts mm-hmm. like religiously my standards for looks in the opposite sex went up a lot mm. and like i know like i'm not trying to be funny i'm being completely serious mm. it, it's just to highlight like the effect yeah. that the korean culture has had on me like i saw all these like perfect pretty faces um as i delved more into uh korean culture my own culture i saw a lot of plastic surgery and all this perfection so to speak mm-hmm. perfection um and so like i was like oh like my beauty standards went they're up yeah. there yeah, but yeah. it's it shouldn't be that way and i'm not saying this is okay cuz mm-hmm. i don't want to be like this but i think because i kept seeing all these perfect pretty faces i was like well i'm into that you know and it's like wow imagine a living living in a society where you're constantly you are compared to those people <laughs> like yeah. that's no way to live there's more to us than looks people yeah yeah Yeah. No, I I agree and I think um you know the our our culture we're so hyper focused on looks. Like even for example I go to, when I go to Korea, literally when I meet my family and stuff pretty much like the very first thing people say or comment or tell me is like about my looks. They're like, "Oh, like either like, oh, 많이 예뻐졌네. Oh, you got you got prettier." Yeah. Oh, like Oh, your face looks rounder. Did you gain weight, or you know, like things like that? Like, I'm pretty sure a lot of people can relate to this. Where, yeah, like you know, you go to your cousins, your you go to your aunts, and they always comment on your looks. Mm. And I, I think it's so interesting because here in American culture, no one does. No one like you don't walk in and they're not like, oh, you need to lose weight. You know, like. <laughs> Don't say that. Like, oh my but like, goodness! I think here it's like, oh, 살쪘네. Oh, you you get weight, or like that's so common, and mm. it's it's really sad. And I feel like a lot of that really affects the you know our generation and just all the generations just growing up, and even on TV like dramas and stuff. And like I'm telling you, like I'm into that. Like you know, I watched um like the uh, um. There's this thing with Hyunbin, uh, crash landing on you oh. drama that I watched. <laughs> Hyunbin be like, yeah. But anyways, I'm into that. I'm like, oh my god, Hyunbin, like, <gasps> like he's so looking. And then like, and Oof. that like elevates my standard. I'm like, where's my Hyunbin? I don't see it. Mm, it's even, unrealistic. Yeah, because people and, don't act like that in real life. Yeah, That's and the then, truth. but I'm sure it goes the same way around because mm. for me, I'm like, wow, Hyunbin's so good looking. Like, oh my gosh, I wish. Like I can find someone like him, and then I have to uh-huh. look at the counterpart, and I'm like, oh, but I don't look like Sonia did. I don't look like, 
I don't look like the Korean actresses, you know? So I'm like, so that makes me feel like, oh, well, I'm not good enough, you know? I realize, though, um, especially after living in L.A., land of plastic surgery and filters and Mm. Photoshop, that um, we shouldn't (laughs) compare ourselves to what seems attainable because a lot of it itself is not real. Mm. And I, I learned that here. Um, And I'm not saying this to be messed up. And I promise you that it's Mm -hmm. honestly to just encourage people to not uh, set their standards to a standard that doesn't even exist. Mm. So what I mean is like um, people, uh, a big thing on Instagram is like tiny little waist, huge, but Big like Kim Kardashian body. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like this skinny little nose with big um eyelashes. What is this? Fake lashes and uh-huh. bumping a highlighter and like contour, 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 contour. <laughs> but it's like and that's what you see. So and, mm. and it looks good. It's pretty. So it's like people are like, I wanna be like that. I wish I was like that. I wish I was like that. I'm gonna keep it real. <laughs> like some a lot of people you see online you can see walking around in these streets yeah yeah and they don't look they don't always look the same that's true and so when we see that picture when we see that video when we see that social media content and we we want to be that and you know we strive to achieve that let's let let me just put this out there that is a standard that doesn't exist of course, there's beautiful people, you know, naturally beautiful people and stuff. And like, that's great. But a lot of what we see is edited in some way. I'll just say that generally. And so let's not, let's not compare ourselves to people who are just like us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because in reality, it's like, there's no use for comparison. Like we are all, our own individual people on our own individual journeys and like there's just no use in comparison and I I think though I was very blessed uh because I've heard your story a lot from a lot of other Asians you walk into grandma's house for Christmas and oh you gain weight when are you getting married um all that when are you getting married I keep getting asked I'm like oh my god stop oh we're too young yeah I know I'm like I'm so young (laughs) yeah but the so the thing is that my family is not like that Mm. so I grew up with um parents who were always like don't get plastic surgery Mm. like I, I would never say I want it but then they would just say it outwardly to me don't do it you're beautiful the way you are. You're perfect the way you are. Don't get plastic surgery. What do you want to fix? My dad even loves my face without makeup. He's like, you're wearing too much. I'm like, well, <laughs> and then <laughs> like my grandparents, um, they'll, they'll encourage the same things. And, um, like I'm dating a white guy and they're like, cool. Like there's nothing like racially, um, uh, it, and there's no uh-huh. kind of issue in that way in my family. And um, the thing is, I know that that is a minority in the Asian culture. And mm. um, what I want to say to that is 
you know, we can't, at this point, you know, we all know Asian parents are stubborn as heck. Um, I'm stubborn. But the thing is, we can ensure that we ourselves do better and learn from the mistakes uh, and, you know, the downfalls that our parents or the older generations have had. Um, so one thing I hope to encourage to other people is please always, you know, if you have a kid or, you know, know someone young or know someone who's hurting and needs help, please always speak love into their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I was young and my parents were like, mm, you could fix this, get this, like, uh, get surgery, like, get sankapur, like all mm-hmm. that stuff. Like I would feel like, Oh, maybe I, maybe I need to, maybe I am, I am ugly. Maybe I need to fix this and this and this, and this is not okay. But that's not what I heard at a young age. Mm. I was molded as a young child to think I'm dope. <laughs> and that's why I walk around like as an adult, like I'm dope. But it, I don't mean that to be like, I'm the best. It's more so like, I really appreciate who I am. Mm. And I have respect for my journey, what, where I came from, where I'm going and what I look like. And so I hope everybody, if you want to have kids or something, if you speak love or speak into anyone's life, just please be encouraging. Cause that's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I remember, uh, despite growing up that way, thank God I was molded confidently into a confident person. Uh, I was bullied like hardcore y'all. When? So, when? Middle school or? So middle yeah, so middle school, it was more, um, like, the pretty rich white girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was partially racial, so they would, like, stretch their eyes out, come up to me and be like, who am I? And, oh like, I would... Oh, gosh. Oh, oh, hell yeah, girl. And I would what walk around heck? at recess, and as a whole posse, they would follow me and be like, you think you're all fat, but, but, but. and I was like, wait... <laughs> But when you're 10, that's scary. Yeah. And I almost... When you're 10, that's like elementary school? Mm -hmm. It was like around Mean Girls time. And I swear to you, they were basically the plastics to me. It was nuts. Gosh. Yes. Yes. Like rich, like pretty white girls. What did you do at that time when you're 10? So, well, I almost moved because I'm over it. But for Mm. some reason, this memory really hurts. So I remember, of course. I remember coming home, like running to my mom and being like, mom, they did it again. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. Can we go? Can we move? And, um, oh, I, I hate bullying. I just hope no kid like ever has yeah. to deal with it. Cause like, if they did that to me now, I'd be like, can you just like, like, what's your point? Mm. <laughs> but as a 10 year old, you don't understand that. And so, um, I think that affected me a lot where I was like, being Asian is bad. Oh, like people are going to make fun of me because I'm Asian and I bring kimbap to, to school for lunch and I had to go home and tell my mom, please, like, don't make me Asian food. They're going to make fun of it. Like stuff like that is just the Asian experience in America and it sucks and it's heartbreaking. It's like from a young age, like people don't accept you. You're different. You're exotic. You're weird. And we don't want anything to do with you. Um, so that's, that was my, um, my middle school experience. And then like, I kind of 
got more popular after like eighth grade I got the lead in the musical and people were like oh oh <laughs> took them not long enough <laughs> and then in high school mm. I was chill with everybody mm. um people still like made racial slurs at me but more so in like a joking way mm. but it was like <clears throat> just to speak to that a little more while I'm here like I, I never realized how racist people were to me because I always thought that like oh, they were just being friends like we were just being chill but I remember like people would say things like um, I, I had a, a high school boyfriend mm-hmm. at the time and they'd be like what do you guys do for fun do you roll each other in, up in blankets and pretend you're sushi like shit like that and mm-hmm. I would just be like you don't like no one asks anyone else that question but because I'm Asian you're gonna think sushi kung fu like the stuff like that and um yeah I think that that those kind of comments and things like that played a lot into me rejecting being Asian when I was younger um but aside from that um in high school I was actually bullied a lot by the Asian community which didn't help (laughs) um and a lot of that just kind of stemmed from like I I don't know. (laughs) And to be honest, to be honest, honest, I think like a lot of it had to do with jealousy Mm. because I was doing well and I was doing well for myself and I was different and I got attention. And uh, I think a lot of people just didn't like that. And they decided to spread it around to one another. And I could not go into like a Korean cafe without getting stares or like I would get harassed with phone calls. Like, Oh, I swear to God, swear to God. I would get, like, I would receive a call from uh-huh. some uh, number I didn't recognize, pick it up, and I would be three-way called by three girls who I what know What the of. heck? Is this really mean girls? Like, I, what? I, I, I promise you. I promise you this happened. And then I remember, oh, man, gosh, I've been through it, man. I remember, I remember sitting in my closet. I had a big closet. They would three-way call me and, like, taunt me and stuff. And I remember I would just like sit in there and cry it out afterwards and then like wipe away my tears and my dad would come in and be like, oh, what are you doing? And I didn't want to hurt his feelings. So I would just be like, oh, like just on my phone or something. I think like there's a lot of shame um, attributed to bullying. Mm-hmm. And I think um, so as much as I grew up confident, you know, those comments at that time did tear me down. But at a certain point, I think I, I've heard, like, everything under the sun be said about me. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of which were assumptions spoken by people who don't know me at all, who've never had a conversation with me. Mm-hmm. So I realized, like, hold up. How can I value myself based off what these people say whose words are very conditional whose opinions are very conditional because like they could be in a bad mood one day and hate me. Oh, she's so annoying. She's too loud, whatever. But then the next day they're in a good mood and be like, you know, she's okay. Like the humans are conditional. We're, we're never, you know, just on one straight path, feeling one same thing. No, we're so affected by our surroundings, our mood, our emotions. So how am I going to base my self-worth and my value based off of people who are unstable themselves as I am because we all are mm. how am I going to do that 
I have to cling on to something firm. And uh, for me, uh, that's been God. Um, I, I remember um, uh, I, I gained a lot of confidence about beauty uh, through First Peter. Um, uh, oh, my God. I think it's chapter 3, verse 3 through 4. It's uh-huh. basically like, like, don't you worry about, like, the pretty hair and, you know, the sparkles and the whatever. And it's basically saying just, like, what's beautiful is inside. Wow. And so let me look it up I, right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I can't quote I can't quote it like that, but I know what it says, I know what it did for me. Mm-hmm. And um I think uh just having a solid foundation with my family, knowing that no matter what, they're going to love me and think I'm beautiful mm-hmm. and um knowing that <laughs> I I could compare their love to like almost unconditional like almost yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, and I say almost because they're not God yeah so you know so I could do something and it might become conditional but and then having God that complete unconditional love um just having something firm a more firm foundation than a human and then their opinion Mm -hmm. um ground me and so what's the first uh first Peter Mm -hmm. chapter three Mm-hmm. Verses three through four. Oh, okay. It says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. This is so good. You know, I don't, I don't remember ever reading this. I'm pretty sure I have. Oh, probably, yeah. I probably, but actually, I never really like came across this verse where it's like, oh my God, it mm. talks about beauty standard and God dies. Like, wow. Exactly. It's like, wow. while we're on beauty standards, it's like, what are the standards? Mm. Because in Korea, I'm going to go there and they're going to be like a little chubby. Mm. Mm. But then I could go to a different country and they'll be like, you're so skinny, gain some weight, eat more. And then I'll, I'll go somewhere else. Ah, oh, you're too tan, too dark. And then I'll go somewhere else. Oh, you're really pale. Like <sighs> whose standard are we living by? Yeah. Are we living upon the standards of, other people, other opinions, mm-hmm. well, guess what? They're always going to change. So are we always going to change? No. Mm-hmm. We have to have a firm foundation and a firm grasp on who we are. And for me, what is enough is that I, I, I literally believe I have worth because I'm God's child. Mm-hmm. And that's that. Mm-hmm. I know that. I know that. And it's like, I believe he handcrafted every single one of us with a purpose and I know that I was created with a purpose so how could I devalue that when mm. I was made literally with reason and it's not just me that's all of us it's just that I am privileged to acknowledge that and understand that I have worth and a purpose on this earth but I hope that everybody eventually gets to that point mm-hmm. because I think um once you realize like oh, I'm really good at this. I was meant to do this. I was meant to better the world and help people 
because of this God-given gift, this innate, even, even something like empathy is a gift. Yeah. I suck at empathizing. We need people like that on this <laughs> earth, but that is a gift, like to love on people. You were put on this earth to understand and love on people and help them feel heard. Like these things are important. So mm-hmm. let's, let's value ourselves because we were each created with something so special and unique. You, regardless of even what your religious belief is, you have purpose, you have worth. Look at what you're good at. Look at what you love and, and expand on that because that's what you're meant to do. And um, yeah, I just think, I think that we all have something in us um, that was meant to better the world. Like for you, Sharon, like you love speaking to like the younger uh, generation and, you know, people in their twenties and inspiring Mm -hmm. them. And you love to um, encourage people to make that wild jump to pursue their dreams. You move to a freaking other country (laughs) on a whim. I did. That really happened within like, I made the decision probably within like a week or so. (laughs) I know, I know you did. That's why I'm saying that. It's like, but that, but that's the thing. You're like, I want to, yeah. And, and that's your purpose. You want to encourage people. You can do it. Like you got this. You're, you're, you're valued. You're worthy. Like you're good. For me, it's um, elevating Asians in the uh, American entertainment industry and in American media as well. Like, um, I like to, I have always been outspoken and I believe that I was bullied for a reason. Mm. So at this point, like if people say things about me, like there's, it's one thing if it's constructive, but if people are just talking to talk, I don't care. I, I just, I pay no mind. I don't care. Cause I know who I am. Um, but the thing is I wouldn't be like that if I had not been bullied so hardcore and mm. had to eventually come to that realization. So because I, I, I say, I said this uh, in, I say this in like every interview, but it's important to note that bullying might've been the best thing that's ever happened to me because I think now that I've developed such a thick skin, I'm in a position where um, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to take the heat and criticism of being someone who's trying to fight for more equality for Asians in entertainment and also to um, help see us in more of an elevated light because I'm tired of us always being in the background and always being picked last in America. Mm. Forget it. And um, I've always had a loud voice. I, I have thick skin. I know, I know that like people will come at me. People will challenge me. People will talk about me because I put myself out there and I was bullied because now as an adult, I can understand that and I don't care. And so, um, I just, I just love looking back on my journey and then coming back to this place and realizing like, wow, God, you did that. I suffered from 10 to like 17 because from now for the rest of my life, I'm going to change lives. And I'm, and I was, and I was put on this earth to do that. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Uh, when you look back on your life and just um, see like the little steps, the little mm. things um, that affected you and now see where you are now uh, and how, how that has shaped you. And yeah, yeah. I love my journey. Yeah. No, that, that's so amazing. And I, I really love what you said in terms of like, you know, all those pain, all those time that was really hard. Actually, it's the thing that it's those things that prepare you to be who you're created to be. And I think oftentimes, you know, like 
really, especially even with life coaching, I've been studying this since last year. And there's a lot of things where the things that happen to you, you can use it. And some people form the thought of like, you know, um, self victimization where I'm like, Oh, Mm. I'm a victim. Oh, I'm a victim. Oh, I need someone's help. But when in reality, you can use that as like an empowering backstory. Mm-hmm. To look at it at a different way. Mm-hmm. Like, so um, I saw the story of like, there's this, this guy um, and he had two sons around the same age. And this guy, um, you know, the dad was not really there for the children. And when the children were very young, the dad got convicted and he got put into jail. So the dad was in jail and then these two young boys grew up. And then when they followed them, like, you know, 15 years later to see where they're at, those two boys grew up so differently. One, just like the dad was in jail and one mm-hmm. what grew up and he had a great job, successful, successful career with a good family. And then mm-hmm. the, a person went up and interviewed these two, two brothers and they both had the same answer. Look at my dad. Who else would I be? Mm. and then one took it as in like look at my dad this is who my dad is of course i'm gonna be in jail the mm. other guy's like oh look at my dad he did that and he ruined his life of course i'm not gonna be like that mm. you know that's what so it's like it's how you look at your situation <sighs> yeah circumstances and i really hope people listening you know whatever thing that was hard like whether it was being bullied or whether feeling like like I'm not pretty enough because I don't look like so-and-so like use that as a sense of empowerment to like ground yourself to know your worth because honestly like no one no one's opinion matters like in the, honestly even like the most beautiful girls that for example like millions of people can be commenting on on their Instagram face saying oh my god you're so beautiful you're so beautiful yeah. but if they don't think they're beautiful mm-hmm. it doesn't matter you know that's so interesting that you say that because um, I forget who celebrity, which celebrity said this, but they were like, yeah, you know, I get thousands of comments. You're beautiful. You're awesome, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then the one I pay attention to is that one negative comment. It's like mm-hmm. thousands of people are, are praising you. But the one thing you can pay attention to is that negative comment. And I think that's natural. First off, like, you know, a lot of us would uh, gravitate towards that approach, but um, it's just so telling, like, regardless of uh, what you look like, how rich you are, how many followers you've got, like how popular you are, like, it doesn't matter. I realize that status don't mean sh- <laughs> in the end, we are all skin and bones with a soul and a purpose. And that's that we don't we don't gotta feel less than anybody or anything like that. Because we're all the same. We are all the same. Yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. Um, but being being like an Asian American artist, do you find like, do you find yourself kind of um, treading between the different cultures of like, oh, like, in, like, do you feel like you have to like adjust in a certain way because of this or like um, receive criticism from a certain culture because of this and this or like how, mm. how has that played out in your journey as an artist? Uh, oh, that's interesting. So one thing that's been really cool is what I thought was a um, downfall my whole life now is like my greatest strength. Because <laughs> mm. now, um, you know, I'm also like uh, doing modeling, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They are like, 
cool Asian face and silver hair. Oh, different. Let's book. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. Like now that's cool. It's unique, but it is all credit to the people who came before us, who I hope I'm one of those names people mention in the future. Crazy Rich Asians, Mm. um, BTS in America, and now most recently Parasite nailing four Oscars. I know, it's so amazing. That's what I'm saying. It's like what was once a downfall is now my greatest strength. And I hope Asians, y'all better use this to your advantage because like now it's not, oh, like, oh, Chinese girl. I'm Korean, but everyone just thinks all Asians are Chinese. Like, oh, uh, Chinese delivery girl in the background. Oh, um, quiet kid who gets bullied in class. Like those ain't the roles that people are only seeing us as. Uh, They're not only seeing us as uh, the tech director behind the scenes. No, they have, America has now seen Asians just be human characters in movies. Um, They've seen Asians be the best dancers they've ever seen and perform their asses off, like see them in a different light other than the one in the background, the the, the kung fu martial yeah, artist. Yeah. Like now it's like, oh, oh, we got it, got it. cool. Like, so um, I think at this point- Yeah, yeah. Yeah, at this point, I've understood that um, I am appealing because like aside from you know, like being Asian, there is an appeal in a loud, strong voice mm. <laughs> and um, somebody with a lot of personality and my silver hair for some reason does it a lot for people. I don't know why. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so I'm just like, I remember I, that transition. I, I, <laughs> yeah, woo, we ain't going black again. <laughs> um, one thing I like to do is play to my strengths. Mm. And now that I recognize what my strengths are, for some reason, this does a lot for people. Uh, for mm. some reason, being an Asian girl who uh, sings in English is is really appealing to people. It's cool. Mm. It's different. It, to, mm. to Americans, it's different. It's, mm. But I think one thing I have struggled with is that now that K-pop is so big in the U.S., people are like, you do K-pop. Oh, my, my K-pop artist friend. Oh, she's a K-pop artist. I'm like, why am I considered a K-pop artist when I'm American? Mm-hmm. My music is in English and I'm in, like, I release in America. Therefore, I'm an American pop artist. Mm-hmm. But uh, one thing that's been difficult is that people have a hard time understanding that. Like, yeah, they'll think I'm cool and appealing and whatnot, but then they'll be like, oh, oh, K-pop, and I'm just like, no, <laughs> don't go there, um, because in reality, I'm not a K-pop artist, so I think yeah. um, the the downside of it all has been, like, they can only kind of see you in that one light, mm. um, and that's, that's, yeah, it, it's, it's been a little bit difficult, to be honest, but, like, even, um, I just had a recent interview with Teen Vogue, and I know, the, I'm so freaking proud of you, like, that's so amazing, girl. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> but the thing is that the premise was about K-pop. Mm. So straight up from the beginning, like, of course I wanted to do it. Of course. Yeah. I was like, I, one thing I can say for myself is I will have integrity for my followers and people who support me. 
Mm. And if I am saying, I don't want to, I don't want all Asians to be considered K-pop artists, then I'm not going to um, take the gig where they're going to call me a K-pop artist, right? Mm. Even though it's Teen Vogue. So at first I said no. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the way they described it was like, we want to draw the crowd in with that, but you're not the first artist um, that has expressed that they're not a K-pop artist. They're an American pop artist, American Mm -hmm. rapper, American R&B singer. Um, You're not the only one with that story. So we want people watching to be able to see that and not just view you guys as Asian Mm -hmm. K-pop. And Mm -hmm. so that was really cool. So I was like, I, so I'm glad I was able. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool that, especially because the producers, like they were all white people, mm-hmm. but then even they got to learn from this experience. It's like, Oh, okay. Like the more you wow. put this stuff yeah, out yeah. there. Yeah. The more you put this stuff out there, the more people learn and are educated. And it's, it's really interesting. Um, and so, yeah, being, being an Asian artist in America at first, you know, it felt like a downfall. It felt like a disadvantage, but now, um, thank, thank you to the people who have come before me. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm going to be on this list, people's future list of people they rattle off, um, like Crazy Rich Asians, mm-hmm. uh, Aquafina, BTS, Alison. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, um, thanks, thanks mm-hmm. to people like that, um, Asians are being more recognized. And now I am in a place where uh, I feel a lot more comfortable and accepted and even desired uh, mm. in the music industry. Yeah. So it's been really cool. Um, so good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's so cool because actually even just like, and okay, so many different things um, we covered that I can like, you know, relate to, but in terms of yeah. like, like, even when I was in high school, I remember, so here in Chicago suburbs, like, I didn't have a lot of Asian... There weren't a lot of Koreans in my school. Um, mm. And I remember one of the one of my cheerleading friends, like, she asked me, she's like, oh, like, you're from Korea. What's it like in Korea? Is it all rice field? And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like... <laughs> mm, you uncultured. <laughs> but... Yeah, but she asked me, so is it all like rice fields? And I was like, girl, you don't know Korea. Like, <laughs> but anyways, now like people know Korea, people know mm. Asia, people know Asia for things so much, so much more. And like, especially, I'm like, I think it's such a special time that we live in, like for a time yes. like this, like, I think it's so amazing. And it's, it's so amazing that we exist right now. And there's this, and I think we exist in this time for this period, like such as a, such a time as this for a reason, because now it's like, well, one, like Korea, literally so many things are happening with parasites, with um, BTS and like mm-hmm. even with coronavirus and like how COVID-19, how Korea handled it. Like now the spotlight is even in Korea healthcare system and like mm-hmm. uh, all the kids and stuff like, now America's getting kids from Korea, which people were like, is it all rice fields? You know? And like, mm. even, and not only that, like, K-drama. Like, yeah, Netflix is Netflix. popping with them. Yes. Yeah, Netflix has so many K-dramas and people 
of this. And I really recognized and was able to feel the influence that Korea has on other Asian countries is when I was mm. in Indonesia, or not even just Indonesia, when I was in, in Taiwan or when I was in Singapore, things like that. Like uh, Taiwan was just the airport, but even in the, in the airport, it's all like K-pop, 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 K-drama, K-drama. And wow. things like that. Yeah, it's so crazy. And then Singapore, you could definitely feel the Korean influence there. And then Indonesia, I remember, so every time I'm there and I'm like hopping on the behind the motorbike behind an Indonesian local giving me rides around Bali, um, every time they would ask me, oh, miss, miss, where are you from? And I'd be like, oh, I'm from America. And then they're like, oh, cool. But then when I, but then they would ask me, some people would ask me, oh, you, you're from America, but you, you, you faced Asian. And I'm like, oh, because I'm Korean, but I live in America. And then when I tell them that, they're like, oh, you're Korean. And then they get so happy. <laughs> and then they start, and they start naming, like, you know, K-drama, Korean Kimchi. Yeah, they start naming all these, like, Korean people. Yeah. And I realized, like, oh, my gosh, Korean, Korea has so much influence. And now, so after, like, after that incident, so instead of telling people I'm from America, I just tell them, oh, I'm Korean. And then everyone just are like, oh, you're so, you're Korean. They have so many things that they want to ask me. So mm. it's so interesting, like, this time with, you know, the world. Mm. Recognizing that Korea is more than rice fields or, you know, mm. more than, are you from North Korea or are you from South Korea? You know? Like, <sighs> So it's interesting. I kind of want to speak to that actually because this is a a recent revelation I've had. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so people, I realize most of the time actually don't have ill intent mm-hmm. uh, when they say stupid shit like that. Ignorance. Like they, yeah, and it's ignorance. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, um, and I'm gonna put myself on blast here because mm-hmm. it really woke me up. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Oh, whoa! I you know how on Facebook you can like uh, see your memories, right? Mm-hmm. From that day. So maybe like a week ago, I clicked on it, and then I saw one of my comments back to some. I I think they deleted their Facebook or something. I don't know who it was to, but my comment back to somebody said some very ignorant stuff, mm. and I was I was young, maybe like. Oh, Jesus, how old was I? How old was I? Maybe like 14? Like mm-hmm. 14-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like, you're not, like, your most elevated self at 14 years old. But I saw that, and me now, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't even mm-hmm. remember speaking like that. I don't remember. Wow. Like, I can't, I, because I know so well now never to say those things use those words uh talk Mm -hmm. to people like that now that I know that now Mm -hmm. I would I forgot that I had ever been such an idiot so Mm -hmm. ignorant when I was younger that Mm -hmm. I could ever say such stuff but then I looked at it and I was like I was actually mortified I was like no girl oh my god but I didn't know better when I was younger as an adult I'm like whoa (laughs) whoa girl mm-hmm. um but the thing is it's like you look at me now and now i'm a lot more woke 
Um, I understand, you know, different races and cultures. And I think going to Berkeley where um, there was a strong black community there who mm. taught me a lot. I, I respect them a lot. And also um, it was very international. I learned a lot about cultures and stuff and I just grew up and I finally began appreciating my own culture. Um, finally, after all that, now do I realize, you know, what not to say, what's okay, what's ignorant, what's not. Um, but then I realized like, even I was there. Mm. And so it kind of um, humbled me to not look at people and uh, just get mad when they say mm. stuff. Because, you know, there are people who are outwardly trying to be racist, and that's different. Mm. Um, you know, like the people who are outwardly attacking uh, Asian or Asian looking people uh, because they're afraid of COVID or whatever. That's mm. obvious blatant racism. Um, but ignorance is really um, it's a scary thing because you don't realize you're doing yeah. it. But I think because I realized that I was absolutely once there without even remembering that I had ever been there, mm. I, re I think I um, have a little bit more of a patient heart uh, with people who say ignorant stuff, you know, like sometimes like I'll get mad if someone asks me like a dumb question, but then in reality, I need to be patient with them because it's my job to teach them. Mm -hmm. I, I think. Um, yeah. And so it, it was interesting seeing like that come from me completely forgetting I had ever been so ignorant and stupid as a youngin. Um, but then seeing where I've come now, uh, I think I'm definitely going to use that sobering experience to um, be more of an educator when those instances come. Because usually I would just be mad or I'd be mm -hmm. like, you're so ignorant and stop it there. But in reality, like if it could, if it could be a teaching moment, because clearly at That's some point true. of my life, someone taught me then why can't I teach them? Mm. And then maybe they could become somebody who is more woke and understanding of different people uh, and their cultures and races yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And so, yeah, yeah, that was a wake up call. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That's so true. I think, I think in general, like with everything, um, it's about helping other people understand each other. Cause I really think there's a lot of conflict because there's misunderstanding and yeah. I, being a Asian American voice, in, in the art industry, I think it's so powerful. And I want to ask you, um, I know, you know, we're coming towards the end, but um, I want to ask you what kind of influence and impact do you want to have on your fans and your listeners of your music? Mm. When I die, no Asian kid growing up is going to look at themselves and think they're less because of what they look like. They are not going to look at their small eyes and think they're ugly. They're not going to think that they are less and um, incapable of being uh, that performer and that media personality because they're Asian. They're not going to be limited to uh, Kung Fu artists. They're not gonna be called uh, Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, Lucy Liu um, in school because that's the mark I'm going to make. I'm going to make people know what is okay, what is not okay, and I'm going to empower the Asian community to be able to, number one, stand up for themselves and also make a name for themselves. Um, because, like, I don't, I don't really care what it takes either. 
that's a hard job. And I realize what I am putting out there into the public right now. Um, but if I have the rest of my life to do this, I think it can be done. Um, they will not grow up feeling how I did, mm. period, period. Because I waited on my dreams based off other people's opinions for too long. And that I, that'll never happen to another Asian kid or any other minority for that matter ever again. Um, aside from that, I think also, uh, I, I really take what I've been privileged with and blessed with and gifted with in this life. Uh, and I, I learned to value it. I think that's something I do do well. And one thing I will always value is my upbringing. Mm -hmm. And I want to take that uh, and encourage people, uh, hopefully, to instill more confidence in themselves. Uh, I think self-love is something I do really well. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just because, like, I, well, I think part of it is because I am pretty simple-minded and, and I'm pretty black or white. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's, like, obvious. It's kind of obvious. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah. We're dope. We were all created uniquely. What you mean? Mm -hmm. But um, I want, because I am able to see it like that, I hope to encourage people to also uh, be able to view themselves in that way. To, to look at the things they're good at, the things they love, and just to expand on that. Um, because, like, what are, what are we without self-love? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and I think, honestly, it's crazy because I know I have a huge future ahead of me. Mm. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not thinking like, well, I hope I win a Grammy. No, I will win one. Um, and with the influence I gain from such accolades, I'm going to speak love and truth into people's lives. I'm going to, I'm going to encourage them to be loving towards themselves. I'm going to encourage them to go for that dream. Don't ever let anyone else's yes. words stop you or halt you or affect you. And I please don't ever look at yourself or your race or your culture and look at it as a downfall, no matter what people say, no matter who tells you it's not possible because there's always a first for something and that could be you. So why don't you yeah. go get it? Um, yeah. So, so good. So good. Okay, uh, I feel like you already kind of touched upon this, but I have to ask you because I this is something that I ask all my guests. But yeah. if you were to write a letter to our generation, a letter that begins with these two words, "Dear Millennials," what would you write? Uh, okay, dear Millennials, let's take everything we've learned from our parents and the older generations and use it to create a more loving and better society. Let's, let's, um, let's acknowledge the blatant racism and ignorance and closed-mindedness that the previous generations unfortunately do have and use that to create a society that is more accepting and loving of all people, uh, regardless of your race, gender, sexuality, whatever it is. Um, because I think once we utilize what we've learned from past mistakes to our advantage to create a better society, this world is going to be a better place. Once we, once we stop the hate, once we stop judging, once we stop
uh, seeing certain races and sexes as less than the other. Um, once we stop the the uh, judgmental mentalities of certain things, it's like once we stop that, once we learn, because I think a lot of that was conditioned into mm. us. What I think once we learn from that and be the change, then we've just created a better world. Wow. And so, yeah. So millennials, like, we have the power to do that. So let's do it. Because if, if there's one thing, if we can change the world in our lifetime, then why don't we do it? Amen. So good. Yes. Let's go change this world. I'm pumped up. Let's go. <laughs> I love you. Oh my, oh my God. So, so freaking good. Okay. So for those who are listening, how can they connect with you? Where can they go listen to your music? And where can they follow you? Uh, first off, on Instagram, you can follow me at Alpal. That's A-L-P-A-L-L-L-L-L. The usernames with less L's were all taken. So this was the least amount of L's that I could find. Don't judge me. And then... Also, apparently Alpal is a very uh, coveted username. So on YouTube, I had to go youtube.com slash Alice A official. Goddamn. But then on Facebook, Alice A official was taken. So, so I had to go Alice N official. So all my usernames are different. They're all different. And it doesn't do well for me. But the thing is, I can't help it. Because I'm apparently very basic, and I want the username everyone else has. So um, follow me, Alpel, Alice A official, <laughs> unofficial. I'll have it all in the link with on on this podcast information Thanks. and Thanks. Instagram and things like that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And um, what's your favorite song? I'm thinking, I don't know in terms of like the Leo stuff, but am I allowed to play, put a little bit like, I don't know, of course. against of your size? Yeah, yeah. So to end this podcast of, I would love for listeners to just listen to one of your amazing songs. There's a couple that I personally like, but is there one that you would like me to put at the end of this podcast? Um, my favorite one is different from the most relevant one. So I'll pick mm -hmm. the most relevant one. Which uh -huh. is obviously what's, wild what's card. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite one, though? Uh, playground. Sound-wise, mm -hmm. it is the most me, uh, more R&B and chill. Um, but wild card uh, is very it, – it's kind of speaking into my breakthrough moment where I'm like, uh, I bleed red, blue, black, and white, meaning I'm proud of being Korean, the Korean, colors of the Korean flag. Like, uh, that's my moment, and I think that's – probably going to be more fitting towards uh this podcast all right okay i'll play wild card but <laughs> y'all can go find her on spotify and listen to all her songs one of my favorite is actually stranger of you... course it yes. is <laughs> I, I could guess that sharon i could guess that <laughs> so definitely go listen to that it's i love i love that vibe and alice has a beautiful beautiful voice Sharon, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Um, like, I really value and appreciate the work that you do. And it's not, it's not just because like, you're one of my close sisters that I feel that way. Like, I literally see the value 
um, and the hard work put into everything you put out there and the intention as well. And so honestly, like aside from being your friend, it truly, truly is an honor to be uh, featured on your podcast. I'm grateful. Thank you so much. I love you. Love you too. And I'm so, I'm so proud of you. I'm so grateful for you. And yeah, girl, you have an amazing future ahead of you. And I'm just, I'm so excited to see everything that you declare in faith come to pass. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Alice, man, this girl, she will one day win a Grammy and I'm so freaking excited for that day to come. And with that, I'm going to end this episode with a short snippet of Alice's song, Wild Card. Try to put me down, but try Lock me down, I ain't bound to untie All the talking, keep on knocking I don't hear a sound I ain't stopping up, something better Watch me now Bringing new sheets to this world of black and white Bringing new waves, gonna crush your paradise All the talking, keep on walking I don't hear a sound I ain't stopping up, something better Watch me now No more putting my dreams on hold Take a seat and watch me take control